Cardiologist, a Phonak podcast. Welcome to The Audiologist, a podcast series created by Phonak to offer audiologists and people interested in audiology new perspectives on hearing health topics. This series of podcasts is all about adults with severe to profound hearing loss. At the microphone is audiologist Bernadette Fulton. I'm audiology manager for severe to profound hearing loss at Phonak International Headquarters in Switzerland. I am delighted to welcome Professor Pamela Souza, Professor and Chair of the Department of Communication, Science and Disorders at the Knowles Hearing Centre at Northwestern University in Illinois in the US. Today we'll be talking about the issues people with severe to profound hearing loss face and what hearing aids can do to help. The possibilities and the limits of technology and what this means for fitting our clients. Pam, the communication challenges that come with severe to profound hearing loss, they're different from those that affect people with mild to moderate hearing loss. Can you tell us a bit about these challenges? You know, they are different and there are a few issues um, which really drive some of those differences. And the first of them is the amount of threshold elevation. So a severe to profound hearing loss would generally be someone with uh, auditory thresholds of 70 dBHL or poorer. Um, So without amplification, they are really not going to be able to hear conversational speech information. This requires a lot of gain from the hearing aid to make the signal audible. But because they're also likely to have a small dynamic range and some loudness discomfort if the signal is over-amplified, we need to do something to the speech signal to fit it into that dynamic range. Um, And I think in a moment, we'll talk about the technology for that. The other thing I wanted to mention about severe to profound hearing loss is that these patients are um, often less like one another in terms of their auditory perception than a group of mild to moderate listeners. And if you think about the things that result in severe to profound hearing loss, a much wider range of etiologies. So there can be effects from ototoxic medication, noise exposure, congenital hearing loss, um, illness or injury to the auditory system. And so each of these is going to have its own effects on the cochlea, on the auditory nerve fibers. Um, And that is maybe partially why we get a wider range of perception among these listeners than would typically be the case for a group of listeners with mild hearing loss. So Pam, you've spoken about trying to cope with a restricted dynamic range. This group of listeners require a large amount of amplification, but they might have some sensitivity to loudness. Isn't wide dynamic range compression the perfect tool to place the output at a level which is audible and comfortable? And I know this is an area where you've done a lot of research. Can you give us some ideas about how to select compression characteristics that are going to be the most suitable for the needs of clients who have severe and profound hearing loss? 
Certainly. And it is a perfect tool. Um, when I first began working as an audiologist early in my career, we were fitting all of these individuals with linear amplification, often linear peak clipping amplification. And it was almost impossible to get an audible and comfortable signal without the listener continually adjusting their volume control. So now we have wide dynamic range compression, which is monitoring and adjusting for the input signal um, with the goal of placing as much of the speech signal as possible in the audible range. Um, now I say as much as possible because with listeners with severe to profound hearing loss, it may not be possible to make soft, medium, and loud speech all audible and comfortable within the dynamic range, at least without using an extreme amount of compression. Um, by that I mean very high compression ratios, three to one, four to one, five to one. So compression is a wonderful tool, um, but it should not be overused. Um, and by overused, I mean to use extremely high compression ratios in an attempt to make the full speech range audible um, or to use extremely aggressive compression speeds. So the, the combination of a high compression ratio and a fast compression speed might be good for audibility, but it is also likely to result in some distortion and potentially lower sound quality. Um, so the, the key here is to use uh, the information about the patient's thresholds, their loudness discomfort levels, hopefully your real ear test where you're looking at uh, the signal received by the listener and choose compression characteristics that are optimal for that person. Um, and that may or may not involve really audibility across the full speech range. So another aspect of hearing aid fitting is selecting the right algorithms for these people beyond the compression characteristics we've just discussed. And my experience with this group is that I have frequently encountered clients with severe and profound hearing loss that have a strong preference against any algorithm that automatically attenuates the output. Do you have anything to say about the selection of algorithms, for example, noise reduction and directionality for this group? Well, we know noise reduction and directionality are important for this group because in addition to um, needing a lot of gain for the speech and having a small dynamic range, they're also likely to be very susceptible to noise. You know, speech and noise uh, as measured on something like the Quixen test in the clinic is very likely going to be poor for a listener with severe to profound hearing loss. So we really want to reduce as much noise as possible. Um, directional microphones are one of the best tools that we have for reducing background noise in an everyday listening situation. Um, some directional microphones are automated to also reduce low frequency gain when the directionality is active. So one way to avoid uh, too much gain reduction is simply to equalize the directional microphone. So when the hearing aid goes into its directional mode, it maintains a similar frequency gain response as it would in its omnidirectional mode. While we're talking about directionality, I did also want to um, make a recommendation for remote microphones. You know, this is really an extremely effective tool. Um, we have done surveys of severe to profound listeners here in the U.S. and found that only a small minority of them are using remote microphones, when in fact there are many more that could benefit from use of remote microphones in noisy situations. So a good directional microphone set such that it does not unduly reduce 
again for that listener um, and then a remote microphone that is available for use in even more difficult listening scenarios can be very helpful. What about frequency lowering? Do you think frequency lowering is an appropriate algorithm for this group? You know, frequency lowering is a wonderful tool, and I think we have to remember it's really intended to provide audibility of high-frequency speech information when that audibility cannot be achieved through gain alone. And it is quite common in listeners with severe to profound loss to have so much hearing loss in the high frequencies that there really isn't any way to make those high-frequency speech sounds audible simply by providing gain. So there, frequency lowering can be used to just shift some of those high-frequency sounds that are important to the listener down into a range where they become more audible. And I think like many other technology adjustments, the key is to use enough to improve audibility, but not so much that undue distortion is created. I'm not sure if you're aware that the latest frequency lowering system from Phonak is adaptive. So it lowers when the ratio of energy shows that it's there's a high probability it's a high frequency phoneme. But if the ratio of energy in the signal indicates that it's low frequency dominant, so it's likely to be a vowel, then it won't lower. And this is exactly to address the kind of issues that you're talking about. Have you had any experience with adaptive systems yet? We're going a little bit off script, but it's really interesting to me and to know if you've had any experience with our new system. You know, it is interesting to me also. And I think as we've gone from first generation frequency lowering to second generation, and now what I what I really think of as more of the third generation um, with adaptive frequency compression, um, I think that's a, a very valuable approach. Because if there's been a difficulty with frequency lowering, it's been that a little goes a long way, right? You don't want to overuse. And from a practical standpoint, it really doesn't make sense to apply frequency lowering when there is nothing there to be lowered. Um, then the effect is just distortion because the audibility was sufficient already. Yeah. Um, so I, I think an adaptive system which lowers the information when it's necessary and otherwise steps back um, and has no effect is a very sensible approach for these listeners. You know, the biggest problem with frequency lowering for clinical audiologists is that patients don't like the sound of it. They're not accustomed to it. And so using frequency lowering just because we can um, is not really a, an approach that makes sense uh, to get the patient the best outcomes possible. And of course, these are particularly sensitive listeners as well. Their hearing aid, it really becomes part of them and they're very sensitive to any changes. As an audiologist trying to find the best option for my client with severe and profound hearing loss, what am I looking for? What should I consider when I'm selecting a hearing aid and what hearing aid algorithms are a must for this group? 
you know, there are so many tools in our toolkit, if you will, for this group. Um, really, the first thing is to have a hearing aid that allows us to control audibility and loudness. And that really means wide dynamic range compression. Um, it would be quite rare these days to have a hearing aid that doesn't have wide dynamic range compression. Uh, but having something with more control and flexibility uh, over the parameters to be able to customize it for each patient is something that's worthwhile. Noise reduction, I think, is my second big category to tackle for these individuals because they are almost certainly going to struggle in noise. Uh, so that means a good directionality, good remote microphone. Um, and we have not mentioned digital noise reduction. Uh, so digital noise reduction by the clinical evidence is not likely to result in significantly better speech and noise but it is likely to result in reduced listening effort uh, and improved listening comfort by the listener. So a combination of digital noise reduction, directionality, uh, preferably adaptive directionality, so it can respond to the listening environment, and then a remote microphone available for those situations where more is needed uh, can be a combination that's very beneficial for a severe to profound loss listener. I'm going to try and summarise the key points that you've made today. Firstly, the needs of adults with severe to profound hearing loss really are different from those with a mild to moderate degree of hearing loss. Wide dynamic range compression, or WDRC, is definitely indicated for this group, and we should avoid very high compression ratios and be very cautious about fast compression time constants. In terms of algorithms, digital noise reduction algorithms are very important and adaptive directional microphones. And these are particularly helpful for understanding speech in noise. Frequency lowering is useful, but just use just as much as you need and make sure that you have a measurable benefit. And of course, remote microphones. I mustn't forget, remote microphones are especially important for severe and profound hearing loss. So is there any final message you would like to add to our podcast today? You know, just that this is a very rewarding group of listeners to work with. Um, they are in need of significant help and support through their hearing aids and their audiologists. Um, but the, the payoff in improving communication can be enormous. Not only thanks for being with us today, Pam, but thank you so much for your contributions to the guidelines. I think it really will impact a lot of audiologists who are working with this population. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like more information, it's possible to download the guidelines for best practice for severe and profound hearing loss on www.phonacpro.com and then look for severe to profound hearing loss. The Audiologist, a Phonak podcast.